message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. church and it's wonderful to be with you on this Easter weekend as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. The stone was rolled away and he emerged from a place of confinement and I trust that from your place of confinement today too that you will find through the proclamation of this glorious eternal gospel that the Holy Spirit continues to reveal that the glorious liberty of the children of God transcends every earthly imprisonment. Remember some of the greatest scripture, the greatest revelation penned by the Apostle Paul came to him while he was in prison or under house arrest. So his thinking was neither limited by his earthly conditions and more importantly, neither was it defined by his earthly conditions. Despite all the hardships and all the persecution in his life, he was able to declare, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If we live this life as believers from our soul, our feelings, our earthly experience only, then we will never see this side of eternity, the enormity of what Christ has done for us through his life, his death, his resurrection and his ascension. And on this day of Easter Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But you know what? The whole of heaven calls the church upwards in Christ to a greater celebration, the celebration of our resurrection with Christ. For it was for this very reason that he came, to lift us from death into life, from separation up into partaking of the communion of the Godhead. Paul wrote this to the Ephesians. He said, when we were dead in our sins, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved and raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. So to be in the spirit really is to share the joy of the Father. The joy of the Father is in the restoration of what was lost, the restoration of life to those who were dead in their separation from him. And it was for such a joy that the son went to the cross. And the church can only be as strong in that joy, the joy of the Lord, to the extent that we see that our hope is not in something that is going to happen, but in what has happened. Our hope is not our life for him. Our hope is his life in us. Now, Jesus described the father as entreating the elder brother to come into the great celebration that had already begun. And I believe he still is, through the Holy Spirit, entreating us, his earthly-minded church. Please, I can hear him say, rejoice with me, for he who was dead is alive, and he who was lost is found. And today I'm going to speak to you about the resurrection of Christ in terms that will sound utter foolishness to the natural mind. Because what I have to say and speak of, these heaven realities can only be revealed 
by God's Spirit. So I'm speaking to you of these great truths because I myself, I want to grow in the revelation of these truths. And I've found that faith comes by hearing, even when it's me that's doing the speaking. Even the psalmist wrote about his own soul and said, come on, O my soul, why are you so down within me? You know, by the proclamation of things that can only be understood by the Spirit, there comes the power of the Spirit to see. For indeed, we are told that the very reason the Spirit is given is that we might know things God has prepared for us that are above and beyond what any, any human mind has ever conceived of. Praise God. So fasten your seatbelts because I don't want to speak of the resurrection of Christ without the resurrection of God's Spirit doing a work in me and in you through these words of the gospel, these words that are very life to us. Now Christ's resurrection from the dead is God's proclamation before all of creation that separation from God, sin and death have been overcome in Christ. And all who are in Christ can now live from union with the Father. For as John 4:17 declares of Christ, as he is, so are we now in this life. To believe in the resurrection, I mean, to believe in our resurrection, we must first be believing in Christ's. Christ's resurrection from the dead is something that can only be believed by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that power to believe comes to us through the gospel. When Paul spoke of Christ resurrected from the dead in Athens, he was laughed at. Without the revelation of the Holy Spirit, the idea that a man can be raised from the dead is still laughable to this world. But the Apostle Paul told the Romans that he was not ashamed of such a foolish message because he knew the power that was in this message. In the gospel message itself, this truth about Christ's resurrection is the power to see resurrection, to see men raised up from death, from separation from God into life into union with God through Christ. So we need faith to believe in something we've never seen or experienced ourselves. And that faith comes by the proclamation of the gospel. Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So faith is the persuasion of the heart. The Holy Spirit wants the hearts of believers to be so persuaded of the resurrection of Christ from the dead that the reality of Christ's resurrection is seen in every generation, not by that generation looking at history books, but by them looking at the church in each generation, a church living in the power of a resurrected life, a life lived from a place of union with God, not separation, a life lived from beyond death. You know, when the church lives from that reality, suddenly there manifests a great difference between the church and the world. The church has no fear of death. Now, right now, in the midst of so much death and disease, this should be what distinguishes those who are hidden with Christ in God. Now, yes, we must work hard to help and to save people, to meet their physical needs, but unlike them, our hope of salvation is not in managing to avoid death, but in having a life in us that overcomes death, the resurrected life of Christ, a life that is able to quicken our mortal bodies because the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in us. Paul wrote, so let Christ be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
And that's what it is to believe in the resurrection. To believe in the resurrection of Christ from the dead is of a different order uh, of believing than to believe, for instance, in the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead or the other people that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, we know that the apostle Paul and Peter, they both rose people from the dead. In fact, it's said that even in Ireland, St. Patrick rose over 30 people from the dead. Now, believing in those resurrections is wonderful, but the resurrection of Jesus was of a different order. And therefore, so too is the impact on our lives of believing in his resurrection. So, what was different about Jesus' resurrection? Well, again and again, the New Testament joins Christ's resurrection to the life of every believer. Here are a few scriptures that reveal this. Romans 6 and verse 4 says this, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Ephesians 2, 6 says, The Father raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2.12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And my personal favorite, Colossians 3, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, can you see in those scriptures that believers are included in Christ's resurrection, but also that each reference to our inclusion in his resurrection is preceded by a reference to our inclusion in his death and burial? There can be no resurrection without first a death. You and I cannot begin to think of ourselves as resurrected into a new life with Christ if we have never even began to think of ourselves as having died with Christ. Until the church, until we as believers begin to see ourselves as having died with Christ, we cannot begin to see ourselves as now resurrected and living with Christ in God. So according to Colossians 3, we cannot set our minds, we cannot think from above if we have never began to see that our old, separated from God by our sins life, died and was buried. And the life we live today in Christ is that of an entirely new creation. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now that word behold means see. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see through the proclamation of the gospel. You know, the most amazing thing about this truth of our death and our resurrection with Christ is that to begin to allow our thinking to be set into this reality is to begin to allow our thinking to be from the heavenly realm, from the eternal realm, and not the earthly, temporal, passing away realm. Notice I keep using the term to begin to see ourselves. And that's because I am only speaking to you as a beginner. I know that there is a greater revelation of what it is to live as a new creation, to live as if old things are all passed away and all things have become new. But I, like many in the body of Christ, 
have been so influenced by natural earthly thinking that this renewal of my mind to think from above is taking time. Thank God this renewal comes by the hearing of the truth. That's why I love to preach the gospel, praise God, because it's renewing my mind. Now that's exactly why Paul kept writing about these heavenly realities to his churches <clears throat> and why the Lord has our generation 2,000 years later still hearing what he wrote. Paul wrote at the end of his letter to the Philippians, I never get tired of writing these things to you. So let's never get tired of hearing them. Let's listen again to these heaven realities from Colossians 3. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. You see, for years, my earthly, natural, religious reality was that today I am alive down here and God is in heaven up there. And one day, the day I die, I will ascend. You could say the day the bell tolls, there's the bells tolling. <laughs> I will ascend from here to there. And finally, I will be with him above forever. Now, that's a perfectly reasonable way to think. But it is the reason that comes from this earthly realm, from the only reality that our natural senses can discern, earthly time passing. But the scriptures we have read are all speaking of another reality, the reality that is seen from above, the reality that heaven sees, a reality not constrained by earthly time, an eternal reality from which the Word of God declares remarkable things, such as that you as a believer have been called by God, not because of anything you've done, but because of the grace and purpose of God given to you in Christ before the foundation of the very world. That's 2 Timothy 1.9. The things the eternal realm declares to us are unbelievable without the Holy Spirit. The reality that heaven sees about you and I as believers is that well, the day of my death already came and I have already died. The day of my resurrection already came and I have already risen. The day of my ascension already came and I have already been seated in the heavenly realms with Christ in God. Now that is so far above and beyond what my natural senses are telling me and indeed what all my earthly experience of this life would tell me. No wonder Paul said to the Corinthians, the things the Spirit comes to reveal to us are utter foolishness to the natural man. In fact, he wrote in that same passage that it is precisely what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. Only when a man or a woman can begin to see this heavenly reality, to see what the Spirit of God sees, can they truly know what it means to say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It is to see yourself as already living from the heavenly realm, to see yourself as already accepted, already made righteous, you have already been made a partaker of God's righteous nature in Christ, for indeed you are already in God. Now three times we've read that in Colossians 3.3, 3, 
declaring us to be hidden with Christ in God. Wow, they must be two of the most powerful words in the whole Bible. Yet I find that my soul, my religious mind, my mind remaining subject to everything my natural senses are telling me, refuses to accept that I am now in God. My natural mind says, look at yourself, Phelan. Do you look like somebody who is in God? I remember hearing the joke once about um, a lady who was, um, an old lady who was playing the organ in a church service. And after one of the services, the minister said to her, thank you very much for your ministry today. And the lady very grandly replied, whoa, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. And before the minister could bite his lip, he said, no, I don't think the Lord would have made half as many mistakes as you made. <laughs> you see, that's our problem. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit, they're saying old things have passed away. All things are new. You are now today an entirely new creation, hidden with Christ in God. Live from there. But our natural senses, everything we see and hear in this earthly realm and our experience tells us that apparently old things haven't passed away. In fact, that by and large, our lives, even as believers, appear to be the same old, same old, nothing new to see here. The question of how we see is one of perspective. You see, there's always been two ways of seeing in this world, seeing by the spirit and seeing by the flesh by the natural understanding alone. Is it not true that while Jesus walked the earth, he walked as God in flesh? Yet only a handful of people saw that reality, saw him as heaven saw him. And the Bible is careful to describe these people as being moved by the Spirit. People like Simeon, an old man who the Bible says was in the temple and was moved by the Spirit to go in that day to the temple courts and pick out an eight-day-old baby from all the others, Jesus being held in the arms of his mother Mary, and pick him up and declare over him, behold, the salvation of God, the light of the Gentiles, the glory of Israel. On that same day, another old saint, an old woman called Anna, the Bible describes her as a prophetess. She has spent years praying and fasting, a widow in the temple. And that day too, she walked right up to Jesus and she began prophesying who he was, who heaven declared him and saw him to be. Now, both those saints, they were elderly and they were weak in the natural, but boy, they were strong in the spirit. And you know, even in this season that we are entering now, where more of the natural resources of the church are going to be stripped away, when the church appears weaker than she was before, this is the hour to rise up to begin more and more to be people who learn to see by the Spirit, not the natural understanding. A people who have been weak in natural resources, but are now strong in the Spirit of God. Remember, it was religious men of great understanding, men who thought they knew the Word of God that crucified Christ. Now we look back on these men and we say, how could they have done that? How could those who knew the Word of God so well not have recognized at least that God was with Christ? Why did they not see and so live as if God had come down and made his home in the midst of them? You know, before we point the finger at them, should we not first ask ourselves that very same question? God's Word declares to us that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the very Spirit of God lives in our midst 
that God has come down and made his home in the midst of us, yet do our lives reveal in this world that that is the reality, the truth that we are seeing and living from? Jesus said, you shall know this reality and this reality will set you free. The extent to which we as believers are still being caught up in all the fears of this world right now is the extent to which we remain short-sighted to the reality that heaven sees. Simeon, in that prophecy over Jesus, warned Mary that a sword would pierce her own heart, that there would be days when her heart would break. How Mary must have held on to those prophetic words about Jesus that she heard that day in the temple. Those words enabled her to begin to see Jesus for who he was, and so to see past and see beyond all the terrible things that would happen to him. Now we too need such words. We need words spoken from the realm of the Spirit to open our eyes to the reality of who we are in Christ so that we too would be able to speak from the realm the Apostle Paul spoke from when he declared, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life we live now, this hidden with Christ in God life. This life lived from the heavenly realm can only be lived by receiving the faith of God. And the wonderful thing is, is that that faith comes to us through the words spoken from the Spirit of God, words spoken from the heavenly realm. Now, for years we've all heard people say to us who we are, but what changes our lives is hearing God tell us who we are in Christ only receiving his testimony about us, lifts us into the heavenly reality, his heavenly perspective on our lives. And that testimony of Jesus, the Bible calls the spirit of prophecy. We are called upwards in Christ by that spirit, by the very testimony of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus about you believer is that you were buried with him, you were raised with him, you now sit with him, in the heavenly realms, far above all principalities and dominions, and certainly far above the fear of disease and death. Why is it so important that the church begin to rise up to speak from this heavenly realm, to speak from the realm that sees the finished work of Christ as sufficient for all of our needs? Because the Lord wants us to have his vision for a reason. Only those who have his vision can speak with his voice. That's worth saying again. Only those who have his vision can speak with his voice. You see, not only has he purposed to give his body his spirit that they may see as he sees, but so that they may speak as he speaks. Jesus, as a man full of the Holy Spirit, was able to say, when you see me, you have seen the Father. When you hear me, you're hearing what the Father has given me to say. Why is it so important the body of Christ, the church, set their minds on being hidden with Christ and God? Because to this world, to each generation, the evidence God has given of the reality of the resurrection of Christ is that his body, you and I, his church, are able to speak from the heavenly realm, from a dimension beyond the grave, the eternal realm. And when we speak from there, we will speak not of the things that are passing away, but of the things that will never pass away. 
and such words have the power to open the eyes of the blind, to see that eternal life is real. From that realm, you know, we can, like the disciple Ananias, we can go to the souls of this world and we can see past their past and we can speak to them of the eternal call of God on their lives, that something like scales can fall from their eyes. But we cannot speak from the heavenly realm when our vision is so tied to this natural earthly realm that we cannot yet see that our lives are now hidden with Christ and God. We cannot speak from our resurrection life if we do not see that we have died to our old earthly life. The Holy Spirit wants to lift our vision higher out of the soulish, earthly, passing away realm and into the spirits, the eternal realm, to see not the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are passing away, but the things that are unseen are eternal. But as long as we resist the renewing of our minds from old covenant, sin-conscious thinking to new covenant, sun-conscious thinking, then our vision will remain more focused on this earthly realm and our performance in it. And we will live more conscious of the things of this world than eternal things, what Christ has done for us. How do you feel about the challenges and the tragedies that are affecting your life today? You know, the more our minds are renewed to God's eternal perspective, the more we will see why the scriptures can describe the troubles of the world right now as light and momentary afflictions compared to the eternal glory that we have been given in our spirits through the indwelling presence of God. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. But as long as my mind is not renewed to my new position in Christ, then I will live more as he who is in the world than he who is in us. I will live more as he who is in sin than he who is in the Son. I will live more as a passing away thing than an eternal thing. So on this Resurrection Sunday, saints, let us allow the eternal gospel to set our minds on eternal things. As long as you're living more in your soul than in your spirit, you will continue to draw your identity more from what this world has done to you and what you have done in this world than what Christ has done in you. When you live from your soul, the thoughts that rule and govern your life are those of what you need because you live by your feelings and you feel separated from God. And that mindset of separation Romans calls a mindset of death. But believer, when you live from your spirit, which is joined to God's spirit, the thoughts that rule, that govern your mind are those of what you already have in Christ. All things, especially his presence. Listen to Romans 8.32. For if he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? So the question I have for you in this Resurrection Sunday is, are you with him? Then you lack no good thing. Even when you, like Paul and Silas, are chained in your earthly confinement, that's called the mindset of oneness, which is the Greek word irene, which we translate as peace. And that's why I can declare to you on this Resurrection Sunday 2020 that, that Paul wrote to the Romans 2,000 years ago. It is still true today for you and I.
that the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that the power of your resurrection life, your very Spirit in us and with us, will quicken our mortal bodies, even our minds, our understanding, to open our eyes, to see as you see, that we may speak as you speak. And as the church speaks like that from the heavenly realm, then the hearts and minds of this generation will experience a great rolling away. A great stone will be rolled away. The condemnation of an earthbound mindset will give way. Something like scales, like a veil, will be removed from the eyes of your people, that they may proclaim to this generation the reality of resurrection life. That anyone who is in Christ indeed is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, church, all things have become new. God bless you.